Welcome to The Art of Range, a podcast focused on rangelands and the people who manage them. I'm your host, Tip Hudson, range and livestock specialist with Washington State University Extension. The goal of this podcast is education and conservation through conversation. Find us online at artofrange.com. My guest today on The Art of Range is Molly McElwam. Uh, we're here to talk about an event happening during Washington Soil Health Week. And there's soil health has been given quite a bit of attention in the last decade or so, including uh, United Nations International Year of Soils in 2015. We're currently in the United Nations Decade of Restoration. I believe there was a decade of soil declared by the International Union of Soil Scientists uh, that may st- still be in progress. There's been a lot of talk about soil. Um, Molly, I don't think we've met, but welcome to the show. Thanks, Tip. Happy to be here. We both work for Washington State University. Is that right? Yep, correct. And uh, how long have you been with WSU and what do you do that has you connected with soil? Yeah, so I've actually been with WSU since June of 2020, but I was a master's student. So I came over to work on a master's project with Deirdre Griffin LaHue, which was at a remote, um, a radio camp, sorry, satellite campus of WSU over in Mount Vernon, which is on the western side of the state. And I was working on um, a soil health project in Washington vineyards, looking at what soil health indicators are most relevant for vineyard managers and what are soil health values that are even reasonable for vineyards in Washington. A lot of times growers are comparing their soil health to values that um, are coming from the Cornell Soil Health Lab, but the climate that they're collecting those samples from is completely different than what we have in Washington. So my project was essentially to calibrate the scoring metrics that we use, um, especially particularly for vineyards in Washington. So that's where I got my start at WSU. Then I graduated with my master's just here in last summer of 2022. And then I was fortunate enough to get this position as an extension coordinator with WSU. And I specifically work I work for the Center for Sustaining Ag and Natural Resources, um, but more specifically for the Washington Soil Health Initiative, sharing all the work that's being done from the initiative and managing all the outreach and communication that goes on there. That's interesting. That's why we haven't met yet. You've been here for not so long. Well, that's an interesting comment about uh, orchard soil health. I see similar uh, inclinations, I guess, in in the world of um, agriculture, crop agriculture, soil health gets spoken of as if it's something that doesn't have any boundaries. In other words, you can always push soil health further, and you can, you know, you could achieve, say, on a <laughs> a sandy loam soil in Washington with bedrock at six inches down, the same thing that you could get, you know, with a, a soil. Uh, somewhere where there's a lot more soil depth in a whole different climate. And uh, something that was said to me a number of years ago by a soil scientist that stuck with me, I think he said that soil, what's possible with a given soil is limited by soil depth and soil texture 
and <clears throat> precipitation, meaning that those are variables that we really don't have a whole lot of control over. You can, you can, you can increase some variables like soil organic matter, but not infinitely. There are some there are some boundaries there, and it's interesting that 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 phenomenon sort of occurs across different soil types. Uh, what, yeah, well, what has been the response of of uh, tree fruit folks to the idea that they can't achieve whatever metrics are being reported by Cornell growers? Yeah, it's been really interesting. And a large part of my project was interviewing the vineyard manager. So I specifically worked in vineyards. We, The project I'm working on is a larger project called the State of the Soils Assessment, where we, we have seven different or 700 soil samples collected over 50 different cropping systems. So orchards are included in there, dryland, rangeland. Um, but specifically for vineyards, it was a little bit challenging to to talk with them and, and be like, well, like you're really not going to be able to get up to 5% organic matter unless you're, but in some cases it is possible if you're irrigating and you're putting in a lot of organic amendments, but really you are limited, right? Just like you had said by your climate, that's one of the biggest factors. And what was interesting um, that we looked at as well is that in a lot of the agronomic systems, because of irrigation, because of organic amendments, we actually have higher organic matter levels in those soils than they would natively than when we put them into production, which is kind of an interesting um, concept to think about. Like we're trying to increase the soil organic matter above what it already had. And that's when you put it in that framework, it's easier for the managers to kind of think about like, okay, so I've already increased it quite a bit relative to what it was natively. Mm -hmm. uh, the event that we were going to talk about is are you calling it SoilCon 2023? Yes, SoilCon just more generally, but yeah. Got it. And that's part of the Washington Soil Health Initiative? Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's sponsored by the Soil Health Initiative, CSANR, the Center for Sustaining Ag and Natural Resources, and the grant that we uh, received to put on this event is sponsored by Western SARE. Got it. Uh, maybe let's start with the Soil Health Initiative. Uh, am I right that that came from a, a, some funding from the 2019 legislative session to do some specific things in pursuit of soil health? What is the Soil Health Initiative? Correct. Yeah. So the Washington Soil Health Initiative, which we like to call WASHI as an acronym, it's primarily a tri-agency partnership between Washington State University, the Washington State Department of Agriculture, and then the Washington State Conservation Commission. And together, those agencies are working broadly to improve soil health across Washington. And we're taking a multi-pronged approach to this to make it happen from research to outreach, education, and then providing grant opportunities and technical support. And so when we received that money from the legislature, we had special wording that we needed to start a long-term research site in Mount Vernon in the northwestern side of, of Washington state. And so one of the main projects that Washi is working on is establishing these long-term agroecological research and extension sites. And so 
There's four soil health sites that we have established currently, one in Mount Vernon that's focused on northwestern Washington potato rotations and then evaluating soil health based on that. We also have one at WSU Wenatchee, which is a central Washington tree fruit systems. They're looking at cherries and apples and how they can improve soil health long term in the orchard system, which has been kind of challenging to think about so far. We also have one at WSU Puyallup, which is looking at diversified organic systems and then also integrating livestock into that. And then WSU Prosser, which is evaluating wine grape systems. And all of these sites represent major agroecological cropping systems or production regions. And so, and at these sites, we're shooting like we're including moonshot treatments. Like at the Mount Vernon site, we have one where potatoes aren't grown for three years, but that's something that we could strive for. Like we're including treatments in these long-term sites that aren't really being thought about using right now, but because they are long-term, mm-hmm. we have to think continually and and to think about like what could we be doing in the future. And then, so with these long-term sites, we have two more that actually just got funded. One at WCU Wilkie Farm, which is going to look at dryland systems and and integrating livestock. That's over on the eastern side of the state. And then WSU Othello, which is going to evaluate irrigated potatoes. So that's one of the main projects that WASHI is working on. We also have the state of the soils assessment, which I briefly touched on, collecting samples across the state. And then one of the other support programs, one of the programs that we're supporting as WASHI is the Sustainable Farms and Fields Program, which is an incentive program to increase the adoption of greenhouse gas reducing practices. And they just had their first round of proposals and received 51 applications and are looking to fund more projects. They they need more money to be able to fund all the projects. So that's really great. And we're happy to support that program as well. So those are the three main projects that WASHI is working on right now to be able to improve SOHOF across the state. Yeah, that's exciting. I've heard a bit of it, but haven't been in the middle of it. And so I, I had not heard a recent update on those. Uh, well, what is, uh, what is SoilCon? And is this the first annual? Yeah. So will, SoilCon, it, will it be annual? <laughs> yeah. So SoilCon is a free two-day virtual event. You can listen to it in your tractor, on the road, at your home, wherever you're comfortable. It actually started in... 2020. And so when we received the grant from Western Sayre in 2018, our goals were to train egg professionals, researchers and producers and in Washington and broader in the PNW about managing soil health in their region. And it was planned before, as we were planning in the beginning, it was going to be an in-person event. But because of COVID, uh, we moved to an online virtual framework or setting. And so 2020 and 2021 were both held online, but we actually found some benefits in that, meaning that we could get speakers from all across the world even, and we could potentially, and we have been able to reach a greater audience because people have been able to tune in from their tractors or from their home. Um, So this is going to be our third year, 2023 will be the third year of SoilCon. And February 14th and 15th is what it's scheduled for. Great. Just we'll, we'll include the website in the show notes, but just to throw it out there now, uh, what is the website if folks are interested in 
virtually attending this listening in? Sure. So you can head to soilhealth.wcu.edu slash soilcon. That'll have information about ways you can get involved with soilcon and then where to register. It will take you to a different page to be able to actually register and look through the sessions, but that URL is longer. So soilhealth.wsu.edu slash soilcon is where you can go. Great. Yeah, I do think that there are some interesting trade-offs between doing an in-person event versus a, a virtual event. The I think there's some obvious benefits of doing in-person events where there's just no substitute for live human interaction in terms of uh, accomplishing things and having a conversation. I was part of a, oh, there was a, a International Grasslands Congress that was scheduled to be in Nairobi, I think in 2020, and it got canceled. So it got bumped to 2021, but there was still quite a bit of covid and some of the other side of the world had their wave a little bit later than we did. And so they were actually getting hammered in 2021. Uh, so it got moved to a, a, an online-only event. It was a virtual conference. So I'm displaying a virtual poster in a virtual booth space in a virtual meeting. And it was uh, incredibly unsatisfying. <laughs> I think maybe one person stopped by and, you know, we had a, a brief chat, but didn't really have anything to do with the substance of what my poster was about. So I, there's ways in which it can completely crash. But I've also, um, you know, the, this this podcast is evidence of the fact that I, I think there's quite a bit of value in doing um, virtual education, particularly with stuff that you know, has some, has some shelf life with content that has uh, value after the event. Uh, so my next question is, is this going to be recorded? Because I think, I think being able to access some of the information after the fact, sort of like you could queue up a podcast episode from a year ago and listen to it. I think that has quite a bit of value. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, everything is going to be recorded. We'll be putting it up on our YouTube channel, which will also be linked on our website. So you can view those at any time. It will take us probably a couple of weeks to get those videos after SoCon all wrapped up and edited, but those will be available for the foreseeable future. And I do want to say, because we know that there's so much that is lacking when you're not at an in-person meeting, right? Just like you had said, we're trying to think of new ways that we could make this virtual event kind of an in-person event. So this year we're trying something new. We're going to have remote viewing sites. So at some extension centers, people are going to be hosting and broadcasting SoilCon. And then people can go and view SoilCon at that site. So you can be sitting next to your peer or a stranger and you can chat about soil health with them while viewing the online events. And so we have a few of those remote sites set up already um, or set up and that information will be coming on the website um, in the next few weeks here as well. But, you know, if you want a remote viewing location and you don't see your site on the website when we update it in the next couple of weeks, reach out to your local extension agent because if they know there's demand to view it at their site, then they would be more willing to host. So I think that could be a way if you want an in-person experience for an online event, that could be a way to go. No, I think that's a great option. And 
uh, I, I jumped to a question before I fully got around to saying I don't anticipate that SoilCon will be a virtual flop, despite my experience with the Grasslands Congress in Africa. Uh, what I wanted to say was I think there's a ton of value. I've have found, at least in the world of livestock producers, it's more and more difficult to get people to come to a a, a space and spend a day or two of pretty valuable time in one spot. And uh, so I, I do think that there's uh, definitely a lot of value in doing an event like this when it's done well. And this definitely looks like it's set up to be done well. Uh, so I'm excited. I will not be able to listen because the Society for Range Management is having their annual meeting at the exact same time. But I look forward to seeing some of the content. Uh, which brings me to the next question. Is there a particular focus with SoilCon in 2023? Uh, and let's talk through some of the, the topics that will be spoken about. Yeah, so our main overarching theme is taking principles to practice. So thinking about like what are the carbon and nitrogen principles that we're using and how can we take that to the field and really it, we can really build on on those principles. So two pieces that I'm really excited about for this year's SoilCon is we have a producer panel with growers from all across Washington, from vineyards to dry land to diversified potato rotations, a really diverse group of producers. And they're going to talk about how, what challenges they've had with cover cropping or managing residue in their systems and what challenges they've had and what steps they've taken to then make new decisions and try something new. And another part that I'm excited about, the second part that I'm excited about is the academic roundtable where we're going to discuss also cover crops and residue management, but more broadly, like are cover crops something that we should really try to implement in, in areas that is really challenging or are there other practices that we should be doing? So I'm excited to hear the discussion from experts on that topic. Overall, we have 16 speakers or panelists from across the country, not just the PNW, which is exciting to be able to bring in some experience from and bring in some new ideas and think about innovative ways we might be able to do things here in Washington. Um, some other talks that I'm excited about, we have one of our first talks on Monday is going to be about the history kind of of decisions in fertilizer and amendments and how that's really kind of changed how we apply amendments to the land now. We also have a few just like baseline, you know, principal concepts about nitrogen management, what microbes are, how can you use microbes to be able to, you know, use your nitrogen cycle more efficiently, really getting back to the basics on that. I would say those are a few talks that I'm pretty excited about. We also have an update from the sustainable farms and, and fields and a few updates on cost share and other things like that, um, that will be kind of sprinkled in. Yeah, that sounds intriguing. I think one of the, one of the reasons why it's worth throwing this out here on a, you know, a, a national podcast as opposed to a local one is that Washington state has some of the most geographic soils and climate diversity in the country. We've got everything from, you know, nearly uh, temperate rainforest that people are trying to grow stuff in all the way down to five inch rainfall, you know, 
sagebrush desert and, and crops grown in that environment as well. Nearly every soil type under the sun. Uh, and I want to say that there are uh, between 300 and 400 minor crops for which Washington State is the highest producer of that minor crop. And so there's a, a, a massive range of crops that are grown in Washington State. Uh, and for that reason, I expect that a lot of this content would be applicable to people uh, nearly anywhere in the country. And of course, soil health principles are being talked about as if they're applicable everywhere. Uh, and it seems like that that would have significant value. Do you have any thoughts about the applicability of uh, what's being talked about here outside of Washington State? Yeah, I think so. I, that was primarily one of the reasons we tried to bring in speakers from across the country was to be able to take some of these practices and apply them. I think a large part of the discussion in the academic roundtable is going to be about how we can't generalize these practices across the country and how it really it is challenging. They are regionally based, and that's what makes soil health really a challenging thing to talk about. And why, and why a lot of times when people are like, "We can plant cover crops everywhere," that's a challenging thing, and it's not mm -hmm. reflective of how you can manage your soil health effectively on the land. So I think we'll have a few sessions that do address that specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have time and you have it in front of you, um, maybe list some of the actual speakers because that may there be maybe some names in there that would get folks interested and we can describe a little bit of what they're going to be talking about. So yeah, we have a great lineup of speakers and a few of them that, that maybe some of your local Washington listeners um, might know. We have Michael Brady, who's an economist. He's going to be talking about our cover crops economical. He has a big project working on that right now, specifically in Washington. We have Andy McGuire, who's going to be moderating the academic roundtable and really get that discussion flowing about thinking critically about how we can manage soil health. We also have our new distinguished endowed chair of potato soil health, Steve Coleman. He's going to be moderating the producer panel. That will include Patrick Ron, um, Doug, Doug Poole, Darren Morrison, and Brad Bailey, growers from all across Washington. We have Aaron Silva and Hiro Galani, who are going to be participating on the academic roundtable. And then a few other Washington state researchers who are going to be talking about those carbon to nitrogen basics. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I recognize a number of those names, even though the world of rangeland ecology doesn't overlap that much with agronomy. But if I see that Andy McGuire is talking about soil health and systems, I definitely would want to tune in. Definitely. We were excited. He's willing to hear he's going to be joining us. Uh, do you have a listing available of the places where it's going to be broadcast through a local extension office um, available to you at the moment? Yeah. So we don't have all of the confirmed sites just yet. I do know that Andy is going to be hosting a site at the Othello Honeybee Pollinator location. And then there's a mm. few other sites that are going to be on the Western side of the state that I'm still working to get confirmed. That information should be up on our website in the next couple of weeks here, definitely before the new year. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Uh, we wouldn't have talked about it here if I didn't feel like it was going to be something that would be of value to most people and most, at least in Washington state. And I think across the country, most uh, farmers are at least somewhat diversified where the person who's got 
a cow calf operation also grows hay and and thinks about soil health and people are thinking about soil health in pastures and people are more and more thinking about how to integrate livestock back into cropping systems it's kind of a feels like a back to the future sort of moment where uh, with the cost of inputs going up and likely going to stay up there's very much renewed interest both in uh, in looking for different ways to maintain or boost soil health and replace expensive fertilizers. Uh, I, just, I just remember there was a question I wanted to ask you that you may or may not know the answer to. I feel like I read somewhere not too long ago that uh, the Palouse, say 100 years ago when it was initially being farmed, uh, was famous for having some of the highest soil erosion rates in the world. And of course, that's the home of Washington State University. Uh, is that a is that a, uh, a rural myth as opposed to an urban myth? Or am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, you know, I, I have also heard that in the framework of talking about like the NRCS and how I used to work for the NRCS. And so a lot of people talked about the Palouse and I really didn't know about it when I was living in Wisconsin. And so moving out here, I got to see the Palouse and I was like, well, that makes sense. There's a lot of erosion. Those are really steep slopes, but I don't want to confirm. I don't know that for sure, but that is also something that I've heard. Sure. Well, my point in that is that the home, the, the, the geographical home of Washington State University is a, a location that has Lussell soils that were, you know, windblown sediments that had been deposited by the Great Missoula floods, and and were extraordinarily fertile and also extraordinarily deep. And as you mentioned, they're they're pretty steep, and so uh, you know this this area has been the home of of some major um, soil health losses. And so I'm excited to see WSU, my employer, you know, kind of leading the way. Not that there's nobody else talking about soil health, but uh, this is kind of an iconic location in the world of soil conservation. And it's exciting to see uh, some innovation and uh, significant outreach coming from here. Well, give me the, give me the website one more time, and then we'll, we'll close this out. All the information about SoilCon can be found at soilhealth.wcu.edu slash SoilCon. And just a reminder, SoilCon will be taking place on February 14th and 15th, 2023, from 8 to 12 Pacific Standard Time. Excellent. I do hope that lots of people tune into that. Uh, and you can also, if, if I run a Google search or whatever search, SoilCon or Washington SoilCon will get you there as well. Yep. Yeah, I really do hope people listen in from their tractor, their pickup, or their saddle and, and learn a lot. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for letting me share about it on here. Yeah, thank you again, Molly. Thank you for listening to the Art of Range podcast. You can subscribe to and review the show through iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. Just search for Art of Range. If you have questions or comments for us to address in a future episode, send an email to show at artofrange.com. For articles and links to resources mentioned in the podcast, please see the show notes at artofrange.com. 
Listener feedback is important to the success of our mission, empowering rangeland managers. Please take a moment to fill out a brief survey at artofrange.com. This podcast is produced by Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. The project is supported by the University of Arizona and funded by the Western Center for Risk Management Education through the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement. Thank you.